Welcome to the Collections by Michelle Brown Show, a show about people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services. Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Tonight we're talking with Natasha T. Miller. T. Miller is a slam poet. Her poetry has taken her around the country and the world. She started a publishing company. All I Want to Say Publishing, and has published two books, Dreams of a Beginner and Coming Out of Nowhere. She was involved in the production of the film about Shelley Treasure Hilliard, a transgender woman murdered in Detroit. She was also a Kresge Fellow in 2012. In 2015, she embarked on an ambitious project to develop an artist inn on Detroit's east side that will include a bed and breakfast and a farm-to-table restaurant. And now she's working with Shinola, an American luxury lifestyle brand which specializes in watches, bicycles, and leather goods, among other items. And she's their marketing, communications, and an ad personality. You are a Detroit original. And I am so happy to have you here on Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm I'm doing great. Um, thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to to be back. Well, I'll tell you. You know, I mean, it's a new year. It's a new format. I mean, you know, um, what I, I you know I can remember like one of the many times that I've heard you perform per, poetry was at a transgender day of remembrance. But your poetry has has heart. And what I really like about you is that. You are unashamedly a native Detroiter. I mean, I've asked you this before, and you say, hey, but Detroit is home. How, yeah. you know, you've been all over the place, and you've been around, and you've come back. You've seen a lot of changes in Detroit. How are you feeling about Detroit right now? Um, you know, the the love that I have for for Detroit, it never changes. So, you know, the... The, the base of my answer is always going to be, you know, I love Detroit. I love Detroit with all of its good and with all of, you know, its, it's uh, what's considered bad. I know that over, you know, the last three or four years, Detroit has um, has has had some very uh, radical changes. And I know, like, a few years ago, I was in New York, and I was uh, discussing Detroit, and a woman said to me, and I, I have a poem about it, you know, in a few years, Detroit is going to be uh, the Midwestern, New York, and I didn't know what that meant until, you know, what's happening now with all of these different businesses moving in and, you know, uh, what, what we call gentrification in any area. Um, so the, the city itself I love, but I, I do acknowledge that, you know, it's, it's changing. And, but some of that change, you know, um, is for the better, and, but, uh, you know, also some of that change is, is, is 
pushing out and Xing out people that, you know, I, I love and I care about, which are my people. So I, I love the city and that's why I'm still here. And I, I don't ever have plans on leaving. Um, but I, like I said, I do recognize that it's changing and it's changing in, um, you know, uh, different directions for different people just depends on what side of uh, the financial spectrum you're on, the art spectrum, you're on the business spectrum that you're on. So I I love it with all is good and all is bad. And I try to make sure that while I'm engulfed in all these different worlds of Detroit, I recognize um, my my own privilege here. And um, I try to stay open to what's happening and how I can, you know, change with it and, and help keep it the same all at the same time. You know, it's funny that you say that. I know when Netroots Nation was here, and I had a lot of friends in from all over, and I had some friends who were from New York, and um, and they were going, oh, we could buy up a block here and flip it and do this, and like you said, and make it like, you know, New York and this like that. I said, wait, 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 wait. You know, there are things about Detroit that are unique and special that has given birth to all these yeah. things. What and and some of those things should stay the same. Exactly. What about Detroit gave birth to the poet and you? Um, I think it was just maybe the Detroit's resilience, Detroit, um, again, something else I talk about in the ad that I, I did for Shinola. It's just Detroit's ability to always, you know, rebuild itself. And I feel like, you know, when I, when I think about my own journey as not a poet, but just as, you know, a human being, somebody who has been through, uh, you know, so much as a sexual assault survivor, as a parent who, you know, have a, uh, with a parent who is an alcoholic, with another parent who really, you know, was just uh, a disappearing act with, you know, a brother who was out in the streets until he was murdered. There were so many things that I've experienced. Um, and I feel like, I re- I rebuilt myself every time, you know, I built myself up from the ashes every time that not other people that I personally counted myself out. I was like, yo, like you could do this. And of course, like always open to, to helping to the people planting seeds within me. But I felt like for the most part, it was just me being like, nah, like you, you're not going to stay down. And I feel like that's exactly how Detroit is. Like, it doesn't matter if all these big businesses would have uh, moved in or stayed out. We would have rebuilt ourselves and reinvented ourselves because that's what Detroit do. And that's what Detroit has always been about. So for me, like just being from a city that continuously does that, you know, the the, the city doesn't do it itself. The plants don't grow themselves. Like there are people that are making that happen. And I've been blessed enough to obviously, you know, be in the presence of all of these people and to turn into that person myself and to translate that experience that I have and that knowledge that I have of a city and how it can always come back and, um, and take that in and use it in my poetry and use it in, uh, in my career and use it in my personal life to just rebuild, uh, the relationship that I have with, with myself. And a lot of that just comes from, you know, where I'm from, which is Detroit. When you are far away from home and you do one of your poems and do people, like, even if you're in another country, do you feel that they get a different view on Detroit? The feedback that you get from them, is it like, hmm, that's not what we thought Detroit was? You know, what does your poetry do out in the world about Detroit? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely changes the narrative, and I say that um, 
as a person who just, you know, a year and a half ago, I, I was blessed enough to perform uh, in Detroit Ford Field, which is our uh, football, you know, field here. And there were 30,000 people that I performed in front of that were not from Detroit. They were from all around the world visiting Detroit for uh, this conference they were in town doing. And they um, they hired me to, to do a poem. And what they asked me to do was introduce these people to the Detroit that was here before this new Detroit and, and Detroit that the Detroit that is, that is still here, the foundation of the new Detroit and the old Detroit. And I got to do that poem for them. And they were in the city, you know, working for a week, but they didn't understand, like, what the city was about, what the city entailed, like, how much heart the city had, how much resilience the city had. And so I performed that poem for them. And they all left Detroit knowing what Detroit is about. And when I do that, when I'm in, you know, Europe or Hawaii or New York, I get to get on stage and I say, like, yo, like, you think that you come to Detroit and, like, you're going to step off the plane and somebody's going to rob you or you think that, like, you know, uh, everybody here is poor or uneducated or all of these different things you have about Detroit. And then I do these poems or they just get to see me and they're like, and I'm like, I'm not, uh, I'm not an anomaly. I'm not just like, uh, just, just uh, Haley's comment. I'm like, there's so many of us just like me from the city. You just got to come and check it out. And people's minds are blown. They're like, oh, wow, you did all of this and you're from uh, Detroit. And it's like, yeah, because there are people who do this who are from Detroit. Because, like, we're, we're so much different um, from what you think you, we are, what people tell you that we are. And, yeah, there are people who are like, man, I heard you do a poem about Detroit. I heard you talk about your city and, and how it's um, – grown and how it's contributed to your growth and I want to come visit and they come and they visit and and their minds are blown do you ever pinch yourself I mean you know from when you were doing like you were doing poetry around you know at all the spots here in Detroit then you know you could just Krisky fellowship and you're in Ford Field do you ever like pinch yourself and go like wow what a journey yeah um all the time you know like there I pinch myself when I'm in Ford Field performing in front of, you know, 30,000 people. I pinch myself when I'm, uh, you know, hired to do a Romeo commercial. And I pinch myself when I'm just going somewhere and I'm doing a poem in front of 12 people from Detroit or 12 people from Atlanta who are just like, we like you. Like, it's, it's every day, you know, it's an, it's an awakening. I, I look at this journey. I look at my life and I'm like, wow, like people, one, if it's one person or 100, say that you've changed their outlook on life then there's people who pay you to come and perform poetry and then there's like i'm just on the phone with you doing an interview like yeah it's 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 still a journey for me because i don't plan on you know stopping anytime soon but there are those moments where i have to look at myself and be like wait a minute like you are just in front of thirty thousand people like like whoa this is this is you but that always kicks in um, after the fact, like I'll perform for, let's say, you know, those 30,000 people. And while I'm, while I'm doing it, I'm just worried about representing myself. Well, I'm worried about representing, uh, you know, my city well, representing my family well, um, and, and, and feeding my nephew and feeding myself. So I don't have time to take it all in that you're performing in front of 30,000 people until maybe like three months after the show, I'm like, wow, you like, there are performers who, uh, you know, who are getting paid millions of dollars and they've only performed in front of like 20,000 people or 10,000 people or 5,000 people. And you're just this girl from Detroit who do poetry and now you're getting like a stand ovation from 30,000 people from around the world. Like it, it, it is an amazing journey and I do, I do pinch myself all the time, but I try to remind myself, you know, that in all of my humble um, 
in all of my modesty, I try to remember that you work hard for this, and it's coming to you because you you work for it and you ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you talked a moment ago about you know your family, and one of the things that you know, because you know we're all on Facebook, right? One of the things though that I I noticed about you and that I have a deep respect for you is about. You know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. You have stepped up in your nephew's life. And, you know, no, you know, people say, oh, well, this person is a parent. We all parent our, the children and our family. That role, that little person looking at you, and how has it moved you as far as not just your poetry, but how you want to go through life? Yeah, um... I I don't like I have my nephew and I've been in my nephew's life you know uh, from the the very day that he was born and I just again it's these awakening moments I you know one day I was with my nephew and he was like one I was like this bro- I was carrying him into the house and then mm. I like stopped and I realized like in the middle of me carrying my nephew and I had, had him for a few months you know um, just visiting uh, from my brother and I was like wait a minute this this kid loves me because I am responsible for another life, like his life, like making sure that he eats and make sure that his diaper is changed and make sure that, you know, that everything in his life is okay, even if he's just six months. You know, he opens his eyes, he looks at me, he recognizes me as a person that is going to make sure he's taken care of. And now, you know, eight years later, with or without my brother, you know, around, I still have those moments where I'm like, like my nephew loves me like I was driving I took him to the women's march with me in in DC and we were he makes up raps and songs and because he's a little entertainer too and in his song <laughs> he was like he's, he's amazing he was like uh he called himself doing like a freestyle about me and he was saying some things and he was like he was like my auntie you know like when I need shoes she buy them when I need food she get it when I need clothes she bring up like and all of that was like when I need she makes sure that I have and oh. and that alone meant so much to me because it was like he recognizes that, like, there is somebody in this world that is going to make sure he is always taken care of. And a lot of us don't don't have that, not in our parents, not in our aunts, not in our friends. Like, you know, some people are not that uh, fortunate, unfortunately. But in those moments, like, I, I realize and I say to myself, you got to always take care of him. Like, you can't ever let him wake up and feel like, he don't have like he has to always know that you are a person that will always you know um provide and that's and that's fuel for me but i do it because because for no other reason than because i love him you know like it's not because my brother was uh murdered it's not because um he gets me the most likes on instagram it's not because of what he does it's simply just because i love him and should and I want him to to feel things that I have felt my own family and my own mother and I want him to feel I haven't felt for my own family and uh my own mother and I just he I, he's an amazing kid and and that's it like every, every I do now you know you get to that point in your life where I, I don't think I was ever selfish but where I can completely be selfless where I can completely say like no anything that I do is with your best interest um at heart with your best interest in mind and that and it brings so much joy to my life to just see that that not just you guys but like he 
recognizes that. I mean, you know, and, and that's what you see. I mean, you see the love. And, you know, I would say to people, you know, you know, if people were to say, well, is Tima, is she wealthy? I would look at you and him and that love. I mean, you know, yeah. Ford Field is nothing. I mean, compared to that love, that love is just no. like humongous, you know? Yeah, like if you, if you, on any night, if you said, you know what, you want to do Ford Field, or you just want to, like, hang out with your nephew and just joke and laugh and watch movies and have them laid up with you, like, what would you pick? i pick my nephew over anything. You know, like, that, that's it, because I'm like, this brings me the absolute most joy, but also, like I said, it fuels me, and it's the reason I could do for Field, and it's the reason I could be successful, because I can wake up knowing it, like, somebody, like, loves you, and if you were not around, you know that there's one person in this world that would absolutely miss the hell out of you the same way that you do him. Now, you know, kids have a way of giving you a reality check. When was the last time? Has he ever, like, said, you know what, that poem, maybe not. That look, maybe not. Does he ever, like, sort of give you that sort of reality check? every single day. I come (laughs) around my nephew, and he's like, please, you you would have to meet my nephew. He's more entertaining on any interviews and conversations than I am. Like, he's straight up like, you know what, why did you cut your hair? I'm like, do you not like it? Mm, I don't think it's the best look. You know, if I'm going to his school, he's like, auntie, please do not wear these pants to my school. And I'm like, but why? He's like, because it's embarrassing. Um, He went like, if he's talking to, so many times, he's, he's like talking to my partner and like, She's there, and she's getting out of line, and he knows that she's tripping. He's like, you are you tripping right now. Like, he's such he, – and I, people say it all the time about their kids. Like, oh, you know what? He's like an a 80-year-old trapped in, like, an 8-year-old body. But this kid, like, apps, and you probably see it through, like, the conversation that we have that I post about. He absolutely is. And to be honest, like, I trust his opinion. When, if I wake up and I'm like, do you like this shirt? He's like, I don't think so. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he, he, an example, he told me – uh, he saw I was in t- out of town doing a show, and somebody was on my Instagram, and they showed him my story. And in my story, I had just uploaded a picture of uh, the promotions that the school had, and it was a picture of me walking in the Detroit streets that I used for a lot of my promotional work. And when I came home, I didn't know he looked at the story. And he said, where were you at in that picture? And I was like, what picture? And he was like, the one you was walking in, in the street. And I was like, oh, like I was in Detroit. He was like, man, that picture looked good. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, yeah, like it, it made me so I went to just to another school that used the picture, and I asked him if I could have the flyer to take the flyer home because he thought the, the picture was so fly. Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's nice. So you say that he, he, is, he was making up raps. What was his impression of the Women's March, and what did you tell him about, about you know, we're going to this because? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, the first thing was just kind of like, hey, like, I'm going out of town, uh, you know, would you would you like to go? And he was like, absolutely. And then the he and he asked so many questions about it. And, you know, I just want to make sure that, you know, he one, he always chooses equality and love. And two, he's exposed to all of this at an early age so he can start to develop his own sense of uh, awareness and identity and politics, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, he asked a lot of questions. And I told him, like, like overall, like, we're here to march for the equality, you know, of women that, you know, women should have equal rights, women should have 
all of these different things that, that were the marches about that I was trying to explain to him. And I was trying to explain it to him in a way where, you know, he was still able to just enjoy being in another state, enjoy being around that many different cultures and groups of people and not overwhelm him because, I, you know, I don't want him to just be, you know, just the most political kid because I still want him to, to have a little bit of freedom. I still want him to, to not know about all of the struggles of the world while still just being a little bit aware. So I was making sure I was answering his questions in a way where, you know, he got a, 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 a general idea of what he was, what he was doing there, but not so much that it worried him. Um, and I think that, that that was the line that I played that was good for him. So he was excited. You know, he was like, he, I'm going back to tell my teachers that, you know, I, I was uh, out there fighting for, for women's rights. And, you know, like, I, and I'm like, do you like love women? And he's like, absolutely. Do you think women should have equal pay and access to all these different things? And he's like, absolutely. Like, you know, so now he just knows that, that, that women are not treated equally and that there are people out there fighting, you know, for women to be treated equally and that if he had to choose, that he's going to choose the, the, the side of fighting for women uh, to have access to everything equally. So, again, yeah, I, I explained it to him. But I didn't. I didn't overwhelm him. I didn't want to do that because I still want him to to be eight too. Mhm. Mhm. Wow. So, so well, that was quite the road trip, huh? <laughs> oh, so fun. Uh, yeah. I, my. Go ahead. Go no. Go ahead. Finish telling me. No, my my friends will tell you that the funniest part of the road trip when I came home and I said that was my nephew because he's funny. He's like he's not like oh my god, an eight year old cracked the joke. He's like you can just sit up with him all night and he's like just cracking jokes and you are cracking up you're like my friends who are 30 are like so funny like what this kid is crazy um so he was a, honestly one of the best parts about the whole road trip just being able to like i look at something crazy and i look at him and he knows crazy and he looking at it like it's crazy and we have these inside jokes these outside jokes so honestly like i if i could take him on a road with me everywhere i go i would and it was also good because Again, he gets an idea of, like, what I do when I'm on the road. He's like, oh, my auntie, she goes on the road, and she stays in hotels, and she performs for people, and she has these different conversations. And so that was something else for him, just to see what it's like and what I'm doing when I'm not there with him. Now, how often are you on the road now? Oh, man, I'm always on the road. I honestly just just got back yesterday from – Portland, and then I was in Seattle a few days before that, and then I'm in Minnesota on Monday, and then I'm back, and then I'm in Denver, and then I'm somewhere else. Um, so it's a it's an equal balance. It used, to, it used to be a lot more. Now it's like in chunks. Like, hey, a lot in February, a lot in March, you're going to be out on the road, and then, you know, and uh, maybe throughout the spring and summer, you'll just relax a little bit because, because I also, I work. I got a, a nine-to-five excuse me, a corporate gig with Shinola, but they send me on the road as well. So, uh, you know, at least two to three times every month, uh, I'm somewhere. How do you, you know, I mean, because that's a lot. I mean, how do you balance all of this? I mean, how do you keep your, I mean, I think I'd be worn out. I know I do a lot of things, and sometimes some days I'm just like tired. How do you balance all of that and still make time for you? Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I told somebody this the other day, I'm like on autopilot now, you know, like my life is just, you got to do it. So you do it. You got to go to work from nine to six. You get up, you go to work from nine to six. You got to interview after you do the interview. When I hang up this interview, I'm going to do a show. Then I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to the gym. Then I'm going to rest and go like, you just do what you got to do. Um, and now, I mean, honestly, like now, uh, that I've been doing traveling poetry for so long now, sometimes I, I am on the road and I'm like, 
man, I kind of wish I was home. Or, man, I'm like, planes are starting to, like, aggravate me where, like, I used to love just getting up and going. Um, but also now I have my nephew here, and it's a more of a reason to want to be here. And my partner is here, and I got a cat here, so I'm more comfortable home, and I'm uh, kind of breaking. And also I'm working on a bed and breakfast, which I need to be at home and focusing on um, and not so mm-hmm. much on the road. But I honestly, like, I, I be tired. I'm tired now, but – you know what you got to do. It's like if you set a goal and you say this this is what I want to attain, these are the things that um, I want to, to, to flourish in my life and, and to bring into my life. And, and it just it takes multiple jobs and it takes multiple hours and it takes multiple days and months. And you'll, and you'll, you'll, see, the, you'll see the results, you know, one day. You'll be able to rest and, and you won't have six different jobs and you won't have to travel for poetry. But also, like, the me time, is this because I'm doing what I love to do. Like I love to, to talk to people about the things that I'm going through. I love to hear about the things they're going through. I love to fight, you know, um, all of the ills of the world society with other people. And and that's what I'm doing when I'm on the road. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, my nephew is when I'm with him, that's me time. And when I'm with the people that I love, that's me time. And when I'm doing what I love, that's me time. And, you know, I don't need too much extra. You go to the gym and eat good food and just be around the people that, that, that I love. And when I need to meditate, I, I do. And uh, when I don't, I don't. But everything I do is, is me time because I make the decisions that I, that, that I want to make in my life. And I do the things that I want to do in my life. And anything other than that, I don't do. So it ain't me time, but I ain't doing it. So this is all me. You know, I'm going to make a, a sign of it. If it ain't me time, I am not doing it. I like that. Exactly. Well, and that's gonna... how everything you do becomes your time. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take um, our first break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the artist in and your work with Shinola. So we'll be right back here. And you're listening to Collections by Michelle Brown. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. And we're back with more conversation with tonight's guest, Natasha T. Miller, here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Um, you know, the artist in, I saw that, and we've talked about it before, and I have seen you out with the artist's renderings of it. I think that that is just like such an exciting project, but it's also more than just an artist in, it's like a grassroots endeavor. You know, I mean, you're doing, you're talking about community gardening, um, farm-to-table meals. It's right there on the east side in the, in the neighborhood. How did, what made you have that idea to, to do this? Um, the idea, it came from me being on the road so much and me understanding the the difficulty of traveling and lodging and how much we pay for hotels and how hard it is, you know, spaces that we are completely comfortable in and still can create in, and how do we contribute to the culture of different cities without, you know, going into a city, doing a show, and then just splitting the next day. And most of the time we do that because we can't afford it. To be honest, it's just as an artist, I recognized that there was a void and there was a need and that I had the ability to, to fill it. And I wanted, to, I wanted artists to, 
to feel peace and I wanted artists to have space to create and I wanted artists to have the tools that they needed to become entrepreneurs. And I was like, yo, like you, this is what needs to be done. You're in a position to do it. And it's a great idea. It's one of the, I've had a million ideas in, in my um, career and in my life and not all of them, you know, stick with you. Uh, but this was the one that was like, everybody gave me the yes on it. Everybody said, absolutely. If you could find a way to make that happen, uh, it's going to be uh, life changing for yourself and for other artists. So over the last three years, you know, I stuck with the idea and I've reworked it, you know, even up until to now. I've reworked it um, so many times uh, because I want it to work. And so that's where it came from. It's just me being on the road and being like, this is what artists need and, and this is your this is what you can give back to, to something that has given so much to you. Well, you know, I like the area. I mean, I, I'm an East Sider. I was born and raised on the East Side. I like that area, Cadillac Street, you know, where was always something, I don't know what it is about it. But even as a kid, I remember there was something cool about that street. Yeah. And how did you, you know, I know, and I know that many people would say, oh, well, you know, if you did it in Midtown or if you did it in Corktown, all the, the other up-and-coming, I guess, for or gentrificated neighborhoods, but Cadillac Street, how did that resonate with you? What resonated with you with that neighborhood, that street, that building? Uh, honestly, that, that, that was fate. Uh, and, and just to give you just a small update before we get to Cadillac, you can understand what we're doing now with the artist. And Cadillac uh, will not be the first open building. And I say that because now we have, uh, we have expanded the idea. So instead of me creating one artist in, in one city where people have to travel to Detroit to experience it, we have ventured off into pop-ups. So what that means is any ah. place around the world. So essentially, uh, artists in Detroit right now will act as Air, like like an Airbnb, where we are the host, but we build all of these different partnerships with different spaces around the world. Like we have one in Brooklyn, one in Milwaukee, one in uh, Boston Edison. So until we have the brick and uh, mortar completely open, and even when we do for spillover, we now have partnerships with different pop-ups where the spaces already exist, but it's still the same concept. You still go to stay at an artist and artist in pays for your stay and then now you would just be going into a high school in new york or brook you know uh, new york or la wherever it is that you had there's a pop-up so the cadillac thing um it was honestly just fate i i uh had a guy come into my store when i was working for willie's which was a shinola retail uh space i was working in willie's this guy came in and I, I like to talk to people. I was talking to his friend, and his friend was an art collector. And he was telling me where he collects art and blah, blah, blah. And then that went into me just being like, oh, well, you know what? I'm doing this cool thing called the Artist in Detroit. And he was like, you need to be introduced to Todd, which is the guy he was with. He was like, um, Todd and his wife owns a lot of property and um, they're talking about doing something similar. And then I started talking to Todd, and Todd said, hold on. And he called his wife, who, who, who is Carla. And he was like, tell Carla what you just told me. And I told Carla everything that I had just told Todd. And then Carla was like, oh, my God, like, I want to do the same exact thing. And we have all these different spaces, and we're looking for partners, and we would love for you to come, come on board with us and kind of um, – you know, assist us with creating the space and building out the space and the artists and all, because they're not artists, um, but they just had this 
this similar idea. And um, uh, the wife had already heard about me from the Treasure film. So it kind of, it, it literally just worked out. And then we started realizing that we had so many different threads that kind of, uh, so, so that's, that sold us together. And it was like, yo, like, you want to do it, I want to do it. They already live on Cadillac. They already had certain spaces on Cadillac. Um, and it just it it just happened from there. Honestly, the Cadillac space is just right place, right time, meeting somebody who wanted to do the same exact thing. I like the fact that, like you said, you know, because the Cadillac space is a lot going to be a lot of work. I mean, you know, and you're working on it. But that idea that, that you were able to say, well, wait a minute, the need is still there. Just because, you know, this, I'm not going to stop. We can do it as the pop-ups here, there, and everywhere. I mean, I yeah. think that, that's, that's just like amazing. That's a great idea. Yeah, how do you, yeah, so you can fill it in Chicago and Milwaukee and Detroit and New York. You can fill it everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, yeah. often I talk to people and artists, and I've had that experience myself where there's something you kind of want to go to or you want to be involved, and particularly if it's like with uh a nonprofit or a school or something, and they have a limited budget, and it's sort of like, you know, where am I going to stay? And you don't necessarily want to stay in a hotel yeah. if you can, but then also there's some a benefit of coming from being amongst the people in that that city, that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you like you need to figure out what their needs are, and you don't feel like you're just coming into the city to take something. You feel like you leave uh, so much more behind. But the Artist Inn is also, and I'm not sure if you're aware of like the full uh, scope of it. The Artist Inn, aside from the physical like bed and breakfast, the Artist Inn is also a global membership program. So how that works is. Artists pay uh, an annual fee to become members of the Artist Inn. And then with that fee comes all of these different perks, which are membership perks. So we have developed partnerships with different businesses, and we're developing these partnerships all around the world. So let's say you pay uh, a fee to become a member of the Artist Inn. So if we have a partnership with Shinola, which we do, you would get discounts at Shinola. You would get discounts at Thrift on the Ave. You would be able to go to New York and get discounts on using a rental space that you need before your big show. You would uh, have access to all these different workshops that we do online or these physical uh, location workshops no matter what city you're in. And the whole idea of the membership program is to give artists all that they need to go from artists to entrepreneurs, which is what I'm doing, which is what I'm big on. So it could be, you know what, I need grooming, I need clothes, I need watches, I need discounts on rental cars, discounts on hotel spaces, I need discounts on every single thing that you feel like artists need. We are creating partnerships with businesses that can fill those needs. And you could be anywhere in the world and have an artist in membership, have access to these partnerships, or you could have access to these workshops where you have uh, professional art. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, that, that it is, because sometimes that access to that professional artist can take help you up your game, you know, and sometimes that's all we need. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some, sometimes you know, it's all you need is access to those artists. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I like that because it, it, it's sort of like, it's like having a collective, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and where you can bounce ideas off, but you can also get those, those basic things, like you said, mm-hmm. um, contributing to the artist, getting discount rates on things, because, mm-hmm. you know, 
sometimes we have to sizzle on a shoestring. <laughs> and yeah, we do. Discount rates can come in come in really handy. So you you well, got the pop ups going. What is mm-hmm. I mean? Do you have a crew? I mean, is is some work happening still? Because I know at one point in time we had talked about you know how. The farm aspect, the farm to table, and doing community gardens—is that still happening around? The yeah, area? that. So all all of that is still going to happen in every single brick and mortar that we open. That's going to happen. So that's going to happen in the Cadillac location. My best friend who lives in Atlanta uh, is actually going to be like the head chef in our first uh, restaurant that we open within the hotel. So every single thing that was that was in the original idea will still mm-hmm. live in the original idea. We just wanted a way to how can act how can we make this a quicker process? How can we make this a more global process? And how can we get a kick, kick off like immediately? Because we do have to build the space out on Cadillac. We do have to buy our own spaces in other cities and other states when we uh, go uh, full, full throttle with it. So it was like, yo, like, how do you open this up? So whereas the pop-ups are, you know, other people's spaces, um, you know, they'll, they'll still resemble and have the same like level of comfort and cleanliness and uh, uh environment that our artists in will have uh, and breaking more open single thing that lived in that first idea will still uh, be in that. Do you see artists in this like the structure structure like this with the restaurant and everything happening in other cities? Yeah, so what, what, like I said, once we like open up our first artist in, and financially we can go to Atlanta and go to London and go to New York and open, it'll it'll be like the Soho House pretty much, like except it'll be the artist in. So this happened everywhere. In- um, but right now, like I said, it's just it's easier to access pop-ups, and then there's so many artists in the world, and if we can have all of these different pop-ups and and have multiple pop-ups in multiple cities, then you know, then artists then we're not worried about space. But, yeah, Artists Inn, will, will, it's, a, it's a global chain. My, I'm just opening the first brick and mortar, or my goal is to get the first brick and mortar in Detroit open and running. But if somebody opens, offers me a space or I find uh, less uh, expensive space in Atlanta and me and my partner decides to open up that one, then, then we're going to open up that one first. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you've got this going. I mean, it's like I love that your mind I mean, like you're using it. Yeah, I mean, you're firing on all cylinders. You've got this and, you know, doing that. Okay, how did your relationship with Shinola begin and, and develop to where it is now? Honestly, my relationship with Shinola began with they had a campaign that was happening with American supermodel uh, Carolyn Murphy and famous uh, photographer Bruce Weber where they had opened up in Detroit and they were just doing a, a, a shoot um, about Detroit and Shinola. Somebody asked me from a poetry spot if I wanted to come and be like one of the models. And I was like, yeah, cool. And then they were like, oh, you know what, could you shoot like a poem for him? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And I, honestly, I wrote the poem the day of the shoot, like two minutes before I went up to film the poem. And then mm-hmm. – I, I didn't know much about Shinola. I just was like, oh, you want me to do this for this brand? Get paid. I, I'll do it. Um, and then after that, I started digging a little deeper into Shinola, and I saw that, like, people were excited about this brand. And I was like, oh, this seems pretty cool. And then I was like, you know what? I'm in Detroit sometimes. Like, let me – I might as well just, like, work for this brand. So I applied for it, and they called me back, and they was like, absolutely. Like, we love you from the video. Like, please, like, come and work for us. So I worked in one of our retail spaces – 
but they would always come get me to do stuff like, hey, we're having like this video shoot, could you be a part of it? Hey, we're having this show, could you come and perform at it? All these different things they would uh, bring me in to do aside from just working in um, the space. And then I found out like my poetry video, like they were using it all of their presentations. So like they would go and do like, you know, these conferences in front of big companies and the owner or the president or the CEO of our company would always show my video. And then other Detroit businesses started doing like the same thing. So they were kind of like just getting, not that my name wasn't already like, you know, making its rounds in Detroit for the last 10 years or so, but they were introducing me to, to a completely different market. Um, So I went into uh, the Shinola space as opposed to the Willie space when it shut down and I became uh, the number one sales associate in the country. And as I was doing that, simultaneously, I shot a video for one of our programs in a store called the Willard Bar that's really close to the owner. Um, and the owner came like two weeks later and he was like, um, basically, we got to move you out of the store. Like, I saw your video and I loved it. And I'm just really glad that, like, you work for the company. You're a part of the company. You stay with the company. Like, I, like, just overwhelmed with, like, joy. And I'm like, wow, this is like this almost, you know, this billionaire standing here telling mm-hmm. me this. And, he, you know, he's like, no, like, I think you should be something like a spokesperson for the company. So mm. you have a meeting with our COO in like two days. And I went to the meeting and I was, they were like, you know, like, what do you want to do with the company? Could you see yourself being like, a, like our chief marketing officer in years from now, like all of these different things. And I was like, very transparent. Like, I love the company. I love working with the company. You know, I, obviously I'm embarking on this journey of opening up all of these bed and breakfasts, but I I have a partnership with the company as well. And it was like, so Shinola will always be invested and involved in whatever it is that I want to do. And that's whether I become, you know, the head of marketing once our marketing, you know, woman decides to move up or move out, or I just have a partnership to the bed and breakfast. And basically, you know, they just came and got me out of the store like a week later. And I was like, we're moving you up and we want you to be on, uh, you know, the training team and the marketing team and travel the world. And basically you teach people how to represent the brand. Well, you teach people about Detroit. You are the embodiment of everything your city is and that our company is looking to do. And, and so, yeah, we're going to send you out to represent that. So now, you know, they, they put up the ad on Shinola on CNN during, uh, you know, the presidential debate, and they ran that ad twice, and they had me doing some work on Good Morning America, and I go out to do all local news stations, and so I, it was just a development of trust. They seen me do all of these things to represent myself well, uh, represent my own career well, and represent them over the last three years, and they were like, we trust you. We, yeah, we we want you, and we want you in um a larger capacity. And like I said, Shinola is great for me because it's a company that'll say, we need you to go perform some poetry in New York for us. And that's poetry. And that's what I do. So that's again, a thread where all of my lives just become, um, just this, this constant, uh, life of, of poetry. And Shinola has, they've allowed me uh, to do that. So, and now, you know, I'm having fun with it. You know, I, I had people who saw you, I mean, who, was that her on CNN during the debate? Or, yeah, yeah, that was her. That was you know? me, yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, what, earlier we talked about, like, not the contradiction, but just, like, the conflicting feelings sometimes that those of us who have been from Detroit have with what it was and what, it, what it's becoming. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know people, I have had people who say, like, well, you know, it's great that you have a Shinola here, but, you know, we used to have these businesses and that businesses and the other. 
How do you feel like knowing that and having it being rooted in Detroit? And here's this new, new vision. How do the, how does it mesh with your heart of Detroit? Um. So you know, like all of us or most of us, we we try to be very well with our partnerships and with our you know business uh, endeavors because those become uh, they become a reflection of ourselves and those things can hurt you or those things can help you. Um, when it comes to to Shinola specifically, a uh, few things. The very first thing is. Shinola in the last years have created 600 jobs, right? And mm-hmm. 400 of those jobs are in Detroit. Seeing people who look like me, seeing people who were unemployed before this, these headquarters opened, and people that love their jobs, they can support and take care of their family. That's the first thing. So that when I'm speaking about my own position, that I'm also representing 600 people that didn't have jobs because of whatever recession happened uh, before Shinola, during Shinola, after Shinola, whatever that is. The second thing is Shinola is very transparent about what they do and who they are. It is a company that, one, it doesn't just live in Detroit. Shinola is in 23 different places. It's in Hawaii. It's in London. It's in New York. It's in Boston. It's in Philadelphia. It's it's coming to all these different places. So the very first thing I understand is that Shinola could have opened absolutely anywhere. They could have opened that the most expensive place in um, uh, Hawaii or the least expensive place in Detroit. But what, what their goal is, and has always been, is to create manufacturing jobs, is to bring manufacturing back to America. So when I'm speaking about gentrification, I also try to be very mindful of, like, some business is going to be business with or without us, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm in a position where I can work for Shinola, and I can talk to, like I said, I can go up to uh, the desk of the person who founded Shinola and say, this is what the community needs. This is what Detroit needs. How do we get back to these people? Because the area within Detroit, there was nothing in that area before Shinola moved into it. So it's not, you know, there was that building. So I'm not one for, and I want to, you know, and that, that's, that's my, my life outside of Shinola or within Shinola. Things have to change. That's just it, right? Like, like I, don't, I would rather see a Shinola than see a desolate building. Mm-hmm. I would rather know that, like, my and my friends are, like I said, I'm rep- I'm a black queer woman from Detroit, and they said, you know what, we're not going to run an ad on CNN promoting our product. We're going to put this commercial up with you because we love what you stand for. We love who you are. And I'm not, like, the token black person for Detroit, you know, or token queer woman. I'm like, yo, like, one of our leading engineers on our audio uh, that just was released um our turntable is a black woman our store manager in detroit is a black woman so i try to let people decide for themselves when they feel like something obviously is harmful and i try to make sure that with my position in shinola i address people concerns i address people uh critiques because any business can be critiqued whether it's shinola or it's not but i i am very transparent about not because i'm a representative of shinola that it is a business that said you know what we want to start our headquarters in detroit because of the auto industry the manufacturing industry and we want to bring jobs to detroit so everything they said they've done they've done and when they're not doing what they said that they were they 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 
they're going to do or, or they say they're going to do, I, I'm on the inside and I'm able to check them. And I feel like the moment I'm not on the inside and my people are not on the inside and it's just these big businesses just doing big business, then who's there to check them? Who's there to guide them? Who's there to say, no, white man, this is not what Detroit needs. You need to open up your eyes and do this. Because the moment we remove ourselves, then again, like I said, big business is going to still be big business. We just ain't going to have no part in whatever direction it is they're moving in. But also, I, there's companies that I absolutely would not work for because I'm like, no, nah, I absolutely don't like what you're doing for the community, and you're doing nothing for the community. So I have my limits. But with Shinola, like I said, I'm like, I, you creating jobs. These people who show up to this factory are happy. You know, if you moved away, this is 400 people that probably ain't going to be able to feed their kids. And if for nothing else, if y'all are doing it for them or they get to reap the benefits of it, then then I'm happy about that. Well, you know, I think that that's one uh, a very important thing that people need to hear and hear how you say that because we can get jobs. And, I mean, you know people who have, like, really, you know, high-paying jobs, but they don't have access. They aren't able to do that. And often we equate, like, the size of the paycheck to power, but really to have that access to people to be able to go in there and to talk and you represent them but you know you are able to go in and talk about who you are and they see that and you provide that that's an important thing that you do for Detroit not only like in this corporate world that you provide access to that voice of the neighborhoods but then as you're going about you know doing your poetry you are providing access to Detroiters, to other things, because as they hear you and you do a poem and you're doing a poem wherever where somebody has this preconceived notion of Detroit or what a Detroiter is, the next time that someone comes up and they say, well, I'm from Detroit, they're going to go, but you know what? We just yeah. saw that. And that, rock, you know, she was, we just saw T. Miller here and she just rocked mm-hmm. our world. And she's Thanks. from Detroit and she's doing it. Here's a, this could be the next T. Miller. This could be another treasure mm-hmm. that we need to look at. And I think that yeah. it's really important that you are able to, to articulate that and say that and that people hear that. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I just said, when I'm around the office in Shinola, I wear, I'm walking around with a, a hoodie on sometimes that say Black by po- po- uh, Powerful Demand. And then other days I'm walking around with a T-shirt that says Black Queer and Unapologetic. When post-election, uh, when Donald Trump won, I was, you know, I was back in the company and I was like, no, we need to talk to our associates about this. We need to send out something that lets them know that we care about them, that they're welcome here, that we're a diverse company, that no matter what the results were, we stand with the most diverse people and the most you know, marginalized people in the world and in our companies. And, you, and, and they were all for that. And aside from that, like I, like I keep saying, this is the owner of the company who comes to my and he writes me a letter, and in that letter, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. Um, so happy you're with the company. Less your, your DNA is embedded into the DNA of Shinola. Let's continue to create jobs for a long time. And then the president of the company comes to my desk, and he says, you raising your nephew? And I say, yeah. And he said, and this is, just, this is a white man, president of the company, lives in a $200,000 house, and he says, you know what? Anytime you need anything, you call me. If your nephew, if you just need me to just rough him up a little bit, you know, joking, or <laughs> if you need your nephew to come by the house and just hang with my boys, if you need anything you need, you just, one, I ain't got to call him because he upstairs, but 
you let mm-hmm. me know. And I feel like it is important that sometimes you see the other side of that. Like, you see it. Like, yeah, this this is like this big business. But like I said, big businesses exist all around the world. Like, and that's just something that we have. But my counter to that is that, okay, so there is a Shinola. There is a Quicken Loans. There are all these other businesses open in Detroit. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open an artist in. And I'm going to get money from them or I'm going to get support from them to open the artist in. And then I'm going to support artists in Detroit. And then I'm going to support uh, uh, black families in Detroit. And then I'm going to support, like, impoverished fucking teens. And, like, I'm going to do all of that. And I'm going to do it with them as opposed to spending the rest of my life trying to take them down when I could be like, all right, how do I counter that? By building something up. But it also is not a response to them. It's just what my community needs. How can I need? How can I fill that void? But also I'm like, I'm not grateful. Like, oh, my God, like I said, I'm the token one, and I'm working to say, no, I'm grateful for, like, yo, like I got my nephew, and I've been able to feed my nephew for the last three years, and other people can feed their kids, and these people come to me, and they're like, if you need it, let me know. And then aside from that, I can go to them and say, you're getting it wrong. And they can say, well, how do we get it right? Mm. Mm. And, you know, and, and that's a, and, you know, people often think, like, activism means, oh, okay, well, you have to be marching in the street and against. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to be against, and you don't have to make them do a 360-degree change. Sometimes yeah. what you have to do is move the mm-hmm. hearts and minds and yeah. being present and being authentic. That's what you're doing. You know, you're moving, and like you, you're moving hearts and minds, and you're making them aware of things. Like you said, you will continue this partnership because even through the artist in, this is one of your partners in the discount. I mean, you know, so there's ways, and another city might have someone who they'll say, oh, we need this person in our store. But like you said, it's about jobs, what you're able to, to be able to do for mm-hmm. it, and the fact that you are authentic and they recognize and respect that. And yes. I think that that, you know, makes you take a, a, another look at, I mean, I know people who, who after having seen, you know, you do the commercial, like, mm, she's there, well, maybe I should look at Shinola. Well, you know, take another look at it, you know. Yeah. Don't lump but everything Ask in. questions, because we've never said that you couldn't. You know, we've done a conference, and so people were calling out us at the conference, and it was me and it was uh, this, the president, and, and we were there, and we were just like – and we're here for all of the critiques because who would anybody or any company be without them? Like, yeah, we're listening. What What is it that you need? But while I'm not trying to fight, like I said, I know the people who depend on their jobs. Like, I'm going to fight Shinola and then just for, you know, for, for whatever personal gain that it is, and then it's going to be 300, 400 of my people without jobs. Like, no, I got to consider the whole board when I'm trying to make a move. But also, again, I like the company that I work for, you know, and, and I can take that critique. Like I, and it's not because they send me out to do it. Cause I ain't got, Shinola knows that. Like I can just do poetry full time. I could do artists in the full time, which I, you know, I'm still doing um, heavily. So it's not like they got to be like, you need to go out and say this. They no, you go out and you say, you know how you feel. They know that I'm an, an artist and an activist and they follow me on social media and they come to my shows and they book me for shows. They know who I am. They know what, what I stand for. And they know that when, when like, I said, when they ain't getting it right, I'm going to be one of the first to be like, Mm-mm, that's wrong. But you got to look mm-hmm. at, you got to look at the whole board. Sometimes you got to be like, you know what? Yeah, you don't have to go buy a watch from Shinola. I ain't encouraging you to do that, but guess what? There's 
when uh, the president is standing in the store and there's a black woman in the store and she's like, oh, I saved up to buy this watch for my son. I'm going to come get me one uh, as soon as I can afford one. And then the president of the company, he's like, which one you, which one would you get? She says, oh, I would get like the Maya Angelou watch. And he says, go to the back and get it for free. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know I just sent Mahogany Brown uh, a free $1,000 Maya Angelou watch. Like, yo, this is my friend. This is who I feel like deserves this, who's a good representative of herself, of her art, of her activism. I want to send her a watch. And they're like, all right, what's her address? Thank you, Mo Brown, for being, mm-hmm. you know, who you are. So you ain't really got – you don't have to buy into it. You don't have to invest into it. You ain't got to want their product. Like, that. that you know, that's not what I'm here for. But like you said, sometimes you do got to consider – the other side, and if you trust everything that I've said over the last, you know, 10, 12 years of my career, my art, my activism, then you know that I'm not just going to be attached to something that that is absolutely about nothing. Well, you know, and really, and I think that that's, that's not, and you know, and I'm honestly, I've never been in a Shinola store, but knowing that you're there and that you are doing this says a lot to me because I know what you're about. Yeah. Now, and they know, you know what I'm about. Uh-huh. So are you still able to do, I mean, how does this, do this is a big job. And as you've got to understand, how much are you able to do with poetry? Are you still, I know you told me you just got back. How do you juggle, you know, your work? Do you, you know, do you have a flexible kind of schedule? Do you have to sort of link the two together? How do you do that? Yeah, so we do it multiple ways, and, and the reason that it's done like that is because, again, like they knew what I did before I started working at Shinola, and they know what I do while I'm at Shinola. So they found a way to, to make it work for both of us, you know, where I'm like sometimes I'm on the road, and I'm like, you know what, I'm on the road for Shinola, but in their store, but guess what, if there's a poetry spot happening, I'm going to go to that poetry spot, perform, and maybe give out some Shinola, you know, notebooks. So then they're made aware of your presence, and then they know that they can always come to us to get notebooks or whatever it is that they need or Shinola Cola. And then sometimes I'm like, hey, like, I got a show in Brooklyn tomorrow. Would you want me to go to the Brooklyn store and work a little bit or speak a little bit or train a little bit, like, whatever it is. But they they know that this is what I do and it's no secret. And then sometimes it's like, I got to take some personal time off. I got to put the PTO in and I got to go on the road for, for five days. Or, you know, me, I'm like, if I got to go on the road for five days, you need me to work seven days in a row. Like, if that's what I need to do, that's what I need to do because I don't treat Shinola any differently from how I treat poetry or how I treat any job that I would have. Like I've, I've signed up for this commitment. I've signed up for this responsibility and I, and I'm responsible for it. And I got to work just as much as the person next to me, uh, no less and maybe even a little bit more sometimes, but they, but they understand it. So I can go to my boss and I can say, look, I'm raising my nephew and I just need like to do some shows because I want to buy like a, a, a house. And I, you know, I want to be able to, um, you know, embark on this journey uh, of life with my nephew uh, uh, in a more permanent position, you know, than it already is. And I, I need this. And they're, and they're empathetic people and they understand it. And they're like, well, if that's what you need to do, how can we work with you to make that happen? But that's because they trust me. They know, like, when I say this, if I say I need it, they know I need it. They know it ain't like I'm just trying to pull one over their eyes, and they know whether they've experienced it or not, they know how to empathize with people and say, like, that's one thing we're really big on is, like, empathy. And um, that's in a lot of our training. They know how to say, well, you know what, Natasha, you've done so much for this company. Um, how do we make this work for you? 
because we value you and we'd rather have you here in the company than not with the company. You know, I mean, this is not that you need another thing to do, but I'm listening to you talking. I was at a conference last year. And they were talking about how when people go to get a job, and they were talking about things that they negotiate for. And they were talking about things like negotiating for, you know, time off for your kid and everything. But have you ever thought of, like, talking to artists about how – because they say, like, if what you want in your job, you have to negotiate front end. Don't get in there and do that. Mm -hmm. How that other artists could – take what they've got, and when they go in and negotiate to talk about for artwork, what they do as an artist, and how they can work with, complement the time they need to do it, so that often I find people who will say, well, I was an artist, but you know, artist doesn't pay the bills, so sometimes I just had to stop doing it because I had to be able to pay that, and find a way to duplicate, you know, or at least to have that negotiation part in the beginning, have you ever thought about doing that with other artists? Like, okay, yeah, you need to go get a job, but, you know, this is important yeah. too, and this is how you sell you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I do it, like I said, in my personal life all the time because I'm that friend, right? People come to me all the time, and they're like, man, we've seen you navigate so many different lives, so many different businesses at once. We see that you ain't never without a check coming in the mail. How, how do we do it? Um, and, yeah, and I, I give that, that personal advice to anybody who – I'm that person. Like, as many jobs as I have, I'm like, text me, email me, tweet me, Facebook me, whatever it is, and, and whatever I can give to you, I'm going to give to you because somebody did it for me. But, yeah, I have thought that's a part of, like, the artist in and my, my ventures as, you know, an entrepreneur. Like, how, how do I go and talk to these people? And I thought, like, you, the, the first thing about all of this when it comes to and it just so, so artists can take away from just this interview is the first thing is you got to make sure it's beneficial for all parties, right? When I go into mm-hmm. Shinola, one of the reasons, aside from they, they just genuinely care about me, I believe, one of the reasons that this works is because I do so much for them. Because when I go out in front of 30,000 people and I say I work for Shinola and I'm not even is there for Shinola. I'm just there to do poetry. That's 30,000 people that know about a company that would not have had access to this company, you know, uh, all at once. And then when I go to Seattle and I'm just sitting next to a woman at Seattle and I'm trying to eat at the Well Winds and then she's like, where are you? what's your name? I'm Natasha, where are you from? Detroit. Oh my God, I'm from Detroit. So what do you do there? And I'm like, oh, you know, I work for this company named Shinola. And she's like, oh my God, really? So it's always like Shinola can see which I would expect for them because they're a business and that's how business operates, they can see the benefit of somebody who people trust, who people believe in, who can change people's minds. Go out and say positive things about them or anything about them in almost every space that they are in. So, yeah, the first thing for artists is you sit down before you even tell that business what your non-negotiables are because you can go to them and be like, because I'm not negotiating that. They're like, okay, bye. So you first figure out how you can say to that business, how does this benefit you and how does this benefit me? So if I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to tell people about you, this is basically free promotion for you, but I'm not just like a, I'm a good artist. People are invested in me. There are people who text me and they're like, man, I just bought a Shinola. I saw you at this, this show last night. You were in it. There are artists who was like, man, I, wanna, I saw it at the billboard, made me think of you. I want to go out and get one, you know, like world-renowned artists. So that's one of the things, mm-hmm. you know, like how can it work for everybody on all ends? I don't, I'm not miserable with my job. I like waking up every two weeks to a paycheck. I like going into uh, 
excuse me, the company and, and creating things that, that changes uh, the, the face of manufacturing and retail and whatever that is. Like, I enjoy it. So I found me something that I enjoy doing. I came to the table what my non-negotiables are, but it didn't even have to be a conversation of non-negotiables. It was just like, this is who I, who I am. They said this is how we accept you. And then I found a way to show them that it doesn't just work for me. It works for y'all because when people go to – my Instagram, the first thing they see is they're there for poetry. They see Shinola brand culture ambassador. And then when I'm taking pictures, they see me in a Shinola watch. You know, like, just make sure it works for all parties. And, and most of the time people are like, okay, let's do it. Now, you know, um, before we go into our next week, I had to talk about you have your own brand. When you walk in, I mean, there's something, if it's like sometimes it's the glasses, it's been the hat. It can be the socks. You have your own brand. You've got, you know, when you walk in the room, you, you know, you know, you're there. I remember um, being at the DIA to see uh, the the screening of the film about Sh- Shelley, and you walked in, okay, at the back of the room, and you know, it was just sort of like out the corner of your eye. I think that time you had on the big black hat, and it was like. I knew who it was. Everybody knew knew you were in there. You have your own brand. How did you do you consci- did you consciously think about this is going to be my look or do you just sort of like what feels right for you? Yeah, I, well, I always find one thing that represents me, and, and it's always, it is always like a feeling. So it's like, you know what, I just really feel this hat. And then I put it up, and I'm like, hmm, you know what, I'm going to go buy three black hats, and I'm going to wear them for the next six months. And then I'm like, you know what, I really want people to know me by socks. Like you said, I'm going to go buy some socks. And every time somebody sees me in the next six months, it's going to be my socks that they pay attention to. Now I'm on this kick where I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing a very simple look. So I only wear like blue, white most of the time, button-ups when I'm doing shows. I button them all the way up to my very top button, and I'm everything. And then my shoes are a, a nice pair of shoes, but nothing too flashy. And people are like, oh, my God, that's the nicest look I've ever seen. So instead of me trying to do it all, I usually go for one thing. And I say to people, I say, like, you see me on Instagram, I put on a blue shirt, and I'll be like, hey, you guys are going to be seeing this blue shirt for the next six months. And then I say, hey, you guys are going to be seeing these shoes for the next year. And, and nobody, they're like, oh, my God, it looks good every single time that you do it. Like the hat, I can upload a picture of that hat 16 times in a row, and people are like, and we love it every single time. So, yes, I usually pick one thing that represents me. I'm not always like, let me do the hat and the shoes and the socks and all this. Sometimes outfits fall together like that. But it is like when people see me now, if I'm not doing a performance, then they know me by like, oh, my God, you're always in that black, queer, and unapologetic shirt because it's mine, because it represents me, because I'm promoting it now, so you're always – see me in it. Um, then I had the glasses. Like, I don't even really wear the glasses anymore that often where the sea glasses were what people knew me by. They were like, here's some Natasha with these fresh glasses that we love. So, yeah, and I, I notice when people notice, and that's one of the first things. I'm like, I'm feeling it. And then somebody else say, they're feeling it. And then I keep it going for the next six months to a year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I think that it's, it's, it's just something about – it's not, it's like something that you recognize, but then it's also, it's just the way that you, you carry yourself. And I think that that's like, that's you. That yeah. is you. It's unapologetic. You know, and I like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take um, our last break, and then we're going to come back and wrap things up. 
So we'll be right back with our conversation with tonight's guest here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. Join the collection at www.collectionsbymichellebrown.com. Well, Natasha, I'll tell you, there's some, one thing that I ask all my guests, and I think that you, part of the reason why I was excited about having you is that you live in the intersections of so many things. You're a poet. You're an entrepreneur. You know, you've got all these things going on and, and the way that you think. And I guess what I'd like to ask you is how do you feel the intersections influencing your life have impacted the directions you've taken and how are they going to impact your future work? Yeah, well, one thing is that, like, with all of these intersections, what the, you know, what that means is that I represent so many things. Um, and, you know, in a sense, like, you have all of these different communities that I'm a part of, all these different marginalized communities. But then, like I said, I get to, to be a voice for all these different things, and I get to – I get to live so many lives because of that. I get to live the life of being a woman. I get to live the experience of being black. I get to live the experience of being queer. I get to – so the fact that, like, I'm one for, like, not just doing one thing, and the reason that is is, like, okay, well, if you only have one life that you know of um, – but there's like all of these different people in the world, you know, billions of people, and there's all these different continents and all these different countries and all these different songs, all these different everything. Like you, you don't want to get bogged down doing one thing. I don't want my life to just be just, just, just this one experience. Um, so I try to make sure I dabble in every single thing that I am and every single experience and do something with So I want to write a book about being queer and I want to, you know, write, make a t-shirt about being queer. And then I want to write a poem about being black. And then I want to, you know, make a movie about being a woman. And I want like, so I, I just have so many lives and, and I, I make sure I don't live them all at once. But when I do, I make sure it's the best experience of my life, but I make sure I live them like in so many different ways. And I meet so many different, I got my, queer friends like you know some of them are black so those that's the intersection but i got my queer white friends and i got my black queer friends and i got just my friends who are women and maybe black women white women chinese women i got my shinola friends and i got my poetry friends and i got so i have so many different experiences and i can sit down and when i can put them in one place it creates the ultimate experience for my life for my poetry for my art because i get to know so much and so many because i am so much and so many. So where I have one poem, it's like uh, of, uh, a joke, a woman, a black and a queer walks into a bar, uh, punch, uh, punchline in, uh, in the same bar, in the same body, punchline her life, punchline her death, punch her line naked and beaten in that bar with the word nigger fag, uh, beef burning to her skin, using her last breath to ask God why I didn't had to wait so much. And then that same, and the next line is like, uh, her mother asked her why God had to give them three burdens as a daughter. But then the flip side to that is like, yeah, sometimes all of this feels like a burden, but more often than not, all of this feels like an experience. And then I just try to let other people experience all of those experiences, you know, through my art and through my life. So more often than not, the, the intersectionality and all of these intersections of my life, uh, they work for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, they do, they do work for you. And, you know, 
you never know. Like you said, you have touched people in all different ways because of all these things that you're doing, you know, and I think that that's one of the remarkable things about you. I so appreciate you and want you to never, ever change because, you know, I hope to continue having conversations with you throughout my lifetime and yours, you know, because <laughs> oh, man. you always bring something different. You know? Yeah, so, if I change, it's, it's going to be for the better. Every time I talk to you, I should be a better person than I was the last time you spoke to me, a more elevated, a more advanced, a more aware person. And that's really all I'm going for. Mm-hmm. So if people want to find out more about your writing, where you're performing, um, the artists in, how do they contact you? What's the best way to, to stay on top of all things that are you? So uh, Natasha T. Miller, that's, you put Natasha T. Miller in Facebook and T. Miller Poetry in Twitter, Natasha T. Miller on Instagram, anywhere you, you, you pretty much, it's either going to be me or a white lady. And I'm the black one, so you'll find me there. Um, second thing is the Artist Inn, which is www.artistsinn.org. Um, there's actually a person working on the website uh, right now, the redevelopment of the website, so to speak, right now. Um, and that, I just got word, should be done in two weeks. So anything Artist in, become a member, become a pop-up, donate, where we're at next like you go right to that website and that'll show you um but other than that like if people you know t miller poetry at gmail and that's for people who have follow-up questions or you know want to book me for shows or like you said want to just pick my brain about being an entrepreneur they can find me there but pretty much twitter facebook instagram i, I am i am everywhere oh that's good uh, you know and i'm gonna stay in touch with you on all those things and i really want to encourage people you know like Everybody says, well, you know, if you don't want to just straight out donate to, to the artisan, I mean, you can get discount rates. I yeah. There's so many ways you can support this. I mean, I think that's just, like, amazing. And, if, yeah. and so I'm going to keep watching, listening. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you perform sometime again very soon. Natasha, oh, you know what? What? But Monday, Monday, I'm doing Button Poetry Live, which means that anybody who is just sitting at home in front of their computer, if they want to see me do a feature, all they got to do is go to buttonpoetry.com, click the link, and they'll be able to see me do a live show Monday night on the 6th. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, I want to thank you again. Um, um, keep sending them, putting up those pictures of you and your your nephew. They give me life. They make me happy. Um, to be able to be in a child's life, to that they know that you love them unconditionally, and in return, that you receive that unconditional love is the greatest gift. And for that, you are wealthy beyond anything that anybody has. And thank you. So with that, we're going to say tonight, good night for tonight's edition of Collections by Michelle Brown. I hope you'll join us each and every week. You can listen to us on Blog Talk Radio, 
on Stitcher and iTunes at Collections by Michelle Brown. You can also visit our webpage at www collections by Michelle Brown and connect with our guest. Or you can even suggest someone who you think would be a great guest on Collections by Michelle Brown. We'll be back next week to bring you another amazing individual who's standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. That's right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Good night. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com.